When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. The Michael Reed Show Podcast. Tune in weekdays from 9 on LMFM. To contact us, email now. Michael at lmfm.ie. Wednesday morning, the 22nd of January. Good morning with much debate and discussion from now till 11am. This is Michael Reed on LMFM. The gangs, the drugs, the violence, the killings. The issues never far from the minds of local people. The kind of people who perpetrate these crimes don't really care. Mm. Um, they don't care if they uh, injure innocent people. Um, but that's why we need to get them behind bars. Mm. And that's really what I'm here to say uh, is that... Um, crime doesn't pay uh, that those responsible are going to be arrested they're going to be put behind bars and we need the help of anyone who has information has evidence who's willing to be a witness uh, to come forward and give the Guardian that, that, that information so mm. so we can get these people banged up where they need to be Taoiseach Leo Bradker says crime doesn't pay and that the gangs will be banged up where they need to be but politicians have been promising to clamp down on the drug gangs, their violent rule and to dismantle their empires for a very long time. It's the same promise over and over again a promise we first heard 45 years ago when the Dons started selling heroin out of Fatima Mansions in Dublin's Dolphins Bar. The Dons, the Gilligans, Hutch and Kinahans drug barons have become household names and as one gang's reign ends, the young guns move out of the shadows and take control. In 1985, the drugs baron, Larry Don's decade in power, his mafia-style control of the drugs trade came to an end when he was given a 14-year prison sentence. His prophecy? If you think we're bad, just wait till you see what's coming after us. A prophecy that manifested itself in the most gruesome of killings yet, the murder of a 17-year-old Keen Mulready Woods, the dismemberment of of his body, his parts of his body were left in different locations and how the child's family are left with a corpse in part but without a body intact to bury. They say a Rubicon has been crossed, not the first time a threshold has been broken. A line was crossed on the 26th of June 1996 when Veronica Guerin, a crime journalist, was shot dead in her car while she was stopped at a red traffic light. Her brother Jimmy is an independent councillor in Fingal these days and we've asked Jimmy Guerin to come on uh, the line with us uh, this morning and uh, a very good morning to you and uh, thanks for joining us because I think you've heard a lot of these promises before as many of us have over the years. Hello, Jimmy. Hello. Hello, Jimmy Guerin. Good morning to you. Good morning yeah, to you. Yeah, look, mm. I, I, I have heard many of these promises in the past before, and, and the reality is that we're hearing them again now. It's only when something happens that we're very reactive. 
I don't believe we're taking enough action. I think the statements by the GRA and the Garda Sergeants Association in the last 24 and 48 hours has endorsed what I have said, that we don't have the reason. And I don't believe there's the political will uh, to tackle these crimes. I think if, if politicians took it serious, they would look at bringing in emergency legislation so we can remove these people from our streets for once and for all. Effective legislation, because the Taoiseach said there is legislation in place and that that legislation is being used. But I think your argument is uh, that the legislation that is available to the authorities is not effective. The legislation is is not just being used, it's being abused and it's being abused by criminals and by their legal teams. We have, for instance, some of the most horrific crimes that are being committed are being committed by people who are out on bail. The reality is, I've worked with this, you mentioned Christy Dunn, in in, in 1982 I debated that we should set up a force to take Christy Dunn's house from him. I'm working on the ground on, on on a weekly basis with families who are being intimidated by drug gangs and by drug dealers, innocent people who have been terrorised in their homes in order to pay and been forced to pay debts, uh, drug debts of loved ones. The reality is that no matter what part of, of Dublin City, or I'm sure indeed Drogheda or other areas that we go to, local community act- activists and Gardaí will be able to tell us the majority of those who are responsible for the drug trade and responsible for the horrific crimes that have been committed against people. And what I'm saying is, if we know all this... We shall bring in the legislation that these people can be taken off the streets and interned if the chief superintendent or a superintendent is, involved, is satisfied that they're involved with this type of activity. Nothing else will, will deal with these vulnerable 15 and 16-year-olds who see their peer suits costing. Time doesn't pay. Oh. Uh, I think you must be on a, a mobile, Jimmy. Uh, the line is breaking up on us a, a, a bit. Uh, but uh, it seems uh, quite obvious that crime does pay. At least that seems to be... Well, we have lost Jimmy Gearan at this stage. Uh, we'll try and re-establish uh, that line and come back to him in a, a few moments' time. But the killing of Hakeem Mulready Wads really has shocked most people in this country, uh, not just because it's been a brutal and terrible killing and uh, the mutilation of his body and how parts of it were left about the place and indeed how that was made known to his family through a uh, number of videos. Uh, whether Keane was in those videos or not, I don't think it is uh, the point, uh, but the news uh, was given uh, to the family, it would seem, on uh, the Sunday night uh, before his uh, body parts were first uh, discovered on the Wednesday that resulted in a shooting then on the Monday. Of course, all of this has shocked so many people to the point that there will be a demonstration taking place on Saturday of uh, this week. As you know, people will be meeting at half one on the Bridge of Peace and marching to St. Peter's Church in Drogheda. But it's not the first incident in uh, this feud and uh, there have been many of them over the course of uh, the last couple of years. I think we've got uh, Jimmy Gearan back on the line. Uh, and I was going to uh, remind uh, listeners uh, about uh, another uh, assumed murder, that of Willie Mon and his uh, girlfriend Anna Farslavana, uh, who uh, the family uh, have uh, hoped uh, to get the bodies of so that they could give them a Christian burial. Again, this is linked uh, to this feud. It's a, a very violent feud uh, that we're witnessing. 
uh, in uh, the Drogheda area. It's extended out into Coolock and, uh, and uh, further afield, uh, Jimmy Gearan. And uh, the more people get involved in it, the more violent it becomes and uh, the more senseless it seems uh, to everybody else uh, for that matter. But you were saying, I think, uh, before we lost the connection to you, that crime doesn't pay or shouldn't pay. But it seems that some young people living locally to us uh, believe that crime most certainly does pay. It does because this is the, because they are seeing people who are going around and making huge profits, and they're seeing people of sixteen and seventeen being able to afford tracksuits and being able to afford to spend thousands of euros on themselves. And there are a couple of issues here in, 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 that I've seen. Firstly, parents who notice their sons coming home and acquiring these goods when they don't intervene, they are taking a great risk at, at the dangers they're leaving these immoral these individuals. Uh, to be attacked by immoral drug leaders and to be subsequently murdered. So we, we all have a part to play. The other thing is that we, we see in, in areas families being terrorised. Now, I know the incidents of the last few weeks have been barbaric and they've been awful, as too was the burning of the body in the car in Lucan in November, as too was the murder of two young people in Kulak in November. The reality is we do not have the resources and it appears that we don't have the will to tackle these crime gangs Thousands of families throughout the country are being intimidated and are suffering. And we owe it to these people to remove these thugs from our streets. We know who they are. We're failing the public by not removing them from our streets. People talk about liberties and civil rights. Mm -hmm. Young people that are being butchered, that have been shot, and the families that have been terrorised, we're not worried about their civil liberties and their civil rights because we're failing to act. But we've put that to politicians. We've said the names are, are known to the Gardaí. The Gardaí know who they are. Uh, an invitation was extended to the Taoiseach that he, he be brought around to the houses of uh, the people who are involved directly in uh, the dispute uh, so that he, he could identify them himself. Uh, but we're told consistently that the law uh, is it in place and has to be applied and uh, that already people have been before the courts. It'll take some time, but uh, this is uh, something that the guards will eventually get on top of. Yeah, but Michael, we don't have time and and I accept that there there is a lot being done, but not enough is being done. We can't wait three months or six months for these crimes to be investigated or 12 months before they're brought before the courts because there will be a lot more criminal activity I don't see any benefit in the Taoiseach going to these houses. I would be far happier if the superintendent went to these houses of the people we know to be involved, had these people arrested and interned. And at that stage then, let's bring the cases against them and let's, mm. let's jail them for their crimes. But it is the legislators make the law that we have to live by. The legislators can bring in the necessary legislation. We did it in the 70s. We did it with the battle against provisional IRA. And we interned people. Let's do it now because drugs and the cancer that it is in our society is just as big a threat to the security of the state and the provost ever were. And we owe it to people to act. Uh, I suppose uh, most people uh, won't forget uh, what your sister symbolises. She symbolises... how crime can impact on families like yours, but also how most people felt about the taking of an innocent life and how that as a society we need to stand together and uh, to act against this illicit trade and uh, the violent gangs and how they behave and intimidate and kill people in the ways that they do. Uh, When you see uh, how widespread this problem has become, uh, what does it say to you about your sister's legacy? 
Well, I mean, it, it, it says what I've always said, that, you know, her death was in vain and we failed to act and we failed to, to take advantage of, of a huge opportunity where there was public support and a now cry for action to be taken. And in reality, what happened is the cab was formulated, but for about 12 months, the resources were made available to the guards just to tackle the crime gang that were responsible for Veronica's murder. And it did have an effect. And we saw drug criminals going overseas and they were afraid of what was happening. And then, like everything else, and it's going to happen in these recent tragedies and barbaric murders, as soon as it comes off the media attention, well, then the resources are no longer made available and the overtime is not paid. I find it very sad. I have always said every life is sacred, be it Fronica's or be it anybody else's. And every family who loses a loved one suffers the same. But we could take action. We had six people murdered in seven months who had received warnings from the Gardaí that their lives was in danger. Mm. They, we are, they were also known to be involved in criminal activity and in drugs. If we had interned these people, they would be alive today. These crimes, these murders would not have happened. So you would round them up and lock them up without a trial or before a trial takes place? I, I, would, I, would, I would round them up and lock them up. I mean, that sounds very dramatic, yep. but in reality, yes, I would do that if a chief superintendent and the guard intelligence is satisfied that these people are terrorising people and involved in illegal activity. And then I would make it a priority that those who are locked up and interned are brought before the courts as speedily as possible to face the charges that are against them. I make no apology for saying that. We need measures to be put in place immediately to protect the majority, not to worry about the civil rights and the civil liberties of the the few drug dealers who are going around terrorising people. And if politicians had had the the courage, they would put that type of uh, legislation in place. All right, uh, Jimmy, uh, you've been uh, living with us uh, since uh, Veronica was killed in 1996 and before that, uh, uh, as you said earlier on. Uh, I think uh, people uh, will be very interested in what you've said to us uh, this morning. Thank you for joining us here on the programme uh, this morning. Uh, Jimmy Guerin, uh, brother of Veronica Guerin, who's an independent councillor in Fingal these days. Now, I did mention Willie Mon uh, and what's believed uh, to have been uh, the murder of uh, Willie Mon and his girlfriend, Anna Farslavana. Uh, and they haven't been seen since 2016, linked very much to this ongoing feud in Drogheda. And Willie Mon's story uh, is a little bit weird to reflect on today, given the killing of uh, Keane Mulready Woods. As you know, Keane Mulready Woods uh, was involved in the drugs gangs and he was a debt collector. He was an enforcer. Uh, He was involved in an awful lot of criminal activity and an awful lot of very disturbing activity. He's said to have petrol-bombed a number of houses in the Drogheda area. He's said to have intimidated people to pay their children's drugs debts and was convicted of that a month before his killing and received a suspended sentence on foot of it. Uh, Willie Mon seems to have been a similar sort of person and was involved in the drugs gangs in the same way uh, as his mother Nell told me on the programme not so long ago. He was approached by someone to take someone out and he refused it. And that resulted, the family believe, in his killing. Now, the family have told Stephen Breen in The Sun today uh, that there are people on social media who are mourning the death of Hakeem Mulready Woods and condemning the killers, but they say that that's hypocritical because the same people were involved in Willie's murder. Now, they use, they use my son for 
a bully boy for a while. My son was a big, powerful young man, and he probably did. It's no you're saying, because if it, it does go to court, it'll, it'll come out with anyhow. But I'm making it clear, it wasn't the perfect apple on the tree, hmm. but no one has the right... God-given right to kill another person's child. And that is exactly the position uh, that a separate family are in as we speak to you today. That's Willie Mon's father, Joe, speaking on this programme uh, a couple of months ago in April of uh, last year. And at that time, uh, the family made an appeal for somebody to come forward with information. I want to thank, thank the guards that's dealing with my son's case and his girlfriends. My prayers is which he's every day of the week that she'll get what she's needed, and also the media that's keeping it out in the front for us. Like Stephen Breen, I have to give him a 10 out of 10. He'd be with us till, till the end. And I want to thank him personally, myself, on behalf of me and my family. Okay. And I want to I want to thank the local radio here in Drogheda today for giving us time and minutes to put out a, a plea for my son and his girlfriend. And I want to thank those. Well, you're very welcome. Can I just yeah. say something? Um, what I want to say here today, which is very important, and I want to put this message out of anyone out there that's been sitting back and laughing at this and putting it as jokes. We've got different stories, of six stories, what they've done to William and Anna. I am not swallowing it. My family are not swallowing it. And I am just putting out there again today, things could have changed in the last three years. Anything you know, please, please come forward. Pick the phone up. As I said, go to a priest. If you're afraid to go to the police, if you don't want to contact Crime Stoppers, pick that phone up because it's giving you ease of mind as well. It's taking anything that you're holding back. It's not going to do you any good at the end of the day. It's just going to bring you down the way those people has tried to bring other people down. Okay. And please, have in your heart and do that. Right, that uh, appeal made in April 2018 because William and his girlfriend Anna haven't been seen since 2016. It's a, an appeal that resonates, uh, I think, with many of us uh, today. And our thanks uh, to Independent Councillor Jimmy Guerin, brother of uh, Veronica Guerin, for joining us a little bit earlier on. Michael Reed on LMFM. Now, in between now and uh, the general election, when you vote on the 8th of February, we're hoping to introduce you through a number of one-to-one getting-to-know-you interviews with your local candidates in the elections, as well as a, a number of roundtable debates uh, that will take place before the vote itself. Today, we're going to meet uh, Sean McCabe. He's a Green Party candidate in Meath East and uh, joins us in studio. And a very good morning to you, Sean, and thanks for coming in to us. Tell us a a little bit about yourself, why you put yourself forward, uh, why you're a Green Party candidate and why you would hope people to vote for Sean McCabe. Well, um, to be honest, Michael, I I never saw myself doing this. We're standing uh, at the cusp of the most important election in the history of our state. We have to take a decision to move through the climate action that we have to take in order to ensure that our children and grandchildren grow up in a safe and fair world. And fair is very important. None of this works unless it's fair, unless it respects communities, empowers communities, protects vulnerable people. So mm-hmm. I've been working on climate change for uh, the best part of a decade and before that other social uh, issues. And I think that I have a sound understanding of what that fairness means. Mm. Tell me a, a little bit about your background, because you've worked in some fairly troubled parts of the world. Well, yeah, I am um, in... in 
Uh, when I left college, it was the height of the Celtic Tiger, and I, I, I walked into a, a, a private sector job that I learned an awful lot in. But um, after about five years in that, I left and I moved to Calcutta in India. Um, a lot of your listeners will be familiar with the St. Joseph CBS India project, which my mother was involved in for a long time. Um, Mary McCabe and um, so I knew people out in India and I understood the situation out there and I wanted to um, uh, I wanted to go there and work at the cold face of poverty and I learned a lot about about situations of people living in in, in, in extreme destitution and mm. um, uh, their dignity and also uh, the, 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 the struggles of their lives and, and so it, it shaped how I saw the world and, and how I saw my own place in it and so ever since then I guess I've been trying to figure out how you can spend your time sustainably working and serving people who need it. Mm. And you worked for a while in Sierra Leone? Sierra Leone was a, a quite a different experience out there. I was um, mapping the national parks. It was really incredible because um, the work we did uncovered uh, that 70% of the country had been sold to mining companies, mm. 70% of the landmass. And you can imagine the ramifications that has for communities, for people. I don't know if I can imagine anything uh, when it comes to living in Sierra Leone. It's a, a different planet, I think, in many it, ways. It, isn't well, it, it was mm-hmm. it, so. Mm-hmm. It had a huge civil war, yeah. uh, which really eviscerated the country, and then it had um, uh, it's had Ebola subsequently. I wasn't. I was there just before the mm-hmm. Ebola crisis hit. Um, it. Uh, all of the minerals that are being taken from that country are coming here to Europe, are coming to America, are going mm. to China, and and uh, the people are suffering to enable us to enjoy mm. the lives that we live. So there's a great inequality there. Mm. So you come from one of the richest countries in the world, and you've uh, lived in some of the poorest countries in the world. You've sure. looked at sustainability uh, and indeed the environment and climate change as well. You've worked with Mary Robinson's group on climate change and uh, the left-wing think tank Task. Today, you're a Green Party candidate, an enemy of the farmers, uh, as many would say. Uh, but you would say not all is black and white. Uh, and to find out, uh, you spent 21 days living in a camper van. Yeah, well, the, the focus of my work with Task has been on a concept called Just Transition. That's, again, basing looking at uh, the jobs that... Um, may be impacted by climate change because the climate crisis is a livelihood crisis and it's not fair to point the finger at anyone, at, at, at the workers in, in Bordnemona or at the farmers and say, you have to change. Hmm. We, If there are changes necessary, people have to be supported. Um, so yeah, I travelled around the country in a camper van meeting farmers from uh, Cork to Donegal and uh, it was an incredible experience. It got some beautiful weather. We have a beautiful country. Farmers, the status quo is not working for farmers, and we know that because they're on the streets, they're protesting. Um, We know that they're not being paid a fair price for their produce. We know that these large supermarket chains are selling their products as loss leaders Mm. to bring customers in. And these are high-quality products. are you saying the solution is to stop producing or stop producing the produce uh, to, to stop farming cattle? No, no, we'll never succeed if it's, if we go that route. Mm. Um, we have to re- we we do have to reduce our emissions from the agricultural sector. That's straightforward, um, because farmers will be the first to feel the impacts of climate change. We saw it in the winter of two thousand and eighteen, when with the fodder crisis. So we know that things have to change, but we're also seeing a debt, massive amounts of debt within the farming within farming families, where farms are intensifying. Because driven by the fact that they're not being paid enough for their produce Mm. um, and farmers are taking on 
more work because of that intensification. We need to save the family farm. We need to make sure that fa- family farms are viable, that they are, that, that people can stay farming. In the last two days canvassing across the county, I've met three farmers who've left farming in the last two months, mm. and they assure me that there's hundreds more to follow in the coming year. What I would be terrified about is our land falling into the hands of, of, of large corporations mm. who want to run factory farms. We need to save family farming, and we need to do it in a sustainable way that respects the incomes of farmers and that builds local community wealth. Mm. But uh, the men in the woolly jumpers and uh, the sandals don't want the farmers uh, to get uh, the fair cut uh, of uh, what's made on the produce because that's the simple solution to this, they would say. Uh, And uh, instead of being nutters and wanting to bring back wolves to Ireland, uh, that perhaps you should support them in continuing to do what they've always done. I don't think, I'm certainly not advocating bringing back wolves and the Green Party isn't advocating bringing back wolves. Here's here's, here's the basic uh, issue. We have vested interests all across uh, this country and the world who are making huge amounts of money off the work of ordinary people um, and they are happy with the status quo. And that's the status quo that is damaging our communities, that's putting farmers under pressure, that's putting workers under pressure and that's... um, Uh, driving this planet off an environmental cliff. Now, if we're going to get serious, we have to stand up to those vested interests Mm. and we have to stand together. And and, and so the climate movement in general, I think, uh, has had a misstep in in, in focusing so intensely on agriculture and uh, farming and missing the point that agriculture is the most unequal sector in this country in terms of income. So we have people working incredibly hard just to survive and we have others who are making enormous profits on their labours so that's wrong we need to address that perhaps so and uh, I'm sure none of us want to drive over an environmental cliff but do you want us to stop driving altogether I think the Green Party is suggesting uh, putting a a stop uh, to the roads building programme there is a great need to build public transport all across Mead, I'm listening to people. Mm. We have 20,000 people who have a commute of more than an hour every day in Mead. We're the h- longest average commuting time in the whole country. This isn't about stopping building roads. It's about investing real amounts of money in public transport, rural public transport. On that van trip around the country, all I heard was was, was people saying to me, I'm not that worried about climate change. What I'm worried about is getting to the pub because... Our community, our social life revolves around the pub. And if I can't get there, I'm isolated, I'm alone. Now, we have to cop ourselves on in a big way. We have to build rural public transport that functions. And it can be community-owned. Imagine having community-owned buses that creates jobs, gives very cheap bus fares to and from essential services or the pub or the shopping centre. You know, we have to... to Climate action Mm. is not some sort of burden coming if it's rolled out the right way. Climate action is about warmer homes. You want to meet you want to see the amount of people I've met in the last four days who I've said canvassing late uh, canvassing mm-hmm. at night, I don't want to freeze your home, I'll let you go in and mm-hmm. they've said, My home's already freezing, I've the heating off because I've to choose between feeding my children and using the heat. Okay. Now now this is wrong. 
and we can retrofit homes, we can give warmer homes, lower electricity bills. It's mm-hmm. an ideological thing. It's about standing up for the people who are in vulnerable situations. Well, it's a costly thing. I mean, up to 60,000 in some cases. Okay, yes, mm. if you have to pay up front. Yes. If yeah. you take a subsidy-first approach, and if you get the government supporting people to access the finance they need through either the government itself or through credit unions, which have huge huge amounts of money to mm. lend to something like this, the energy savings will cover the cost mm. of that over what, what, time. What you save uh, on what you would have otherwise spent on heating your home could pay back your debt. Absolutely. All right, we'll leave it there, Sean. Thank you indeed uh, for coming in to us uh, Thanks this morning. And Michael, best of luck with here. your campaign. Uh, hopefully we'll meet you before uh, the election is held on the 8th of February uh, again. Uh, Sean McCabe is a candidate for the Green Party in Meath East. Michael, Michael Reed on, on LMFM. LMFM. be able to pick up your local newspaper in uh, the news agents uh, this morning. Marie Kearns has all of uh, the local newspapers in front of her here, as is usually the case on a Wednesday, to tell us what's on the front pages. Marie, uh, let's begin in uh, Dundalk with uh, the Argus and uh, the election dominating there. That's right. Uh, an in-depth interview with Peter Fitzpatrick, the outgoing uh, Laird Fine Gael. Well, no, independent uh, TD was Fine Gael in, in another life, Michael, <laughs> dominates the front page of the Argus with the independent candidate declaring that he felt like a puppet on a string when he was in Fine Gael, adding that as a backbencher, you are just there to push a button. Now that he's thrown off the party's shackles, so to speak, he told the Argus that he's now free to speak his mind and to vote with his conscience. So there okay. you go. Hollywood Glitz, a very different uh, story for the front oh, page yes. of the Dundalk Leader. Wouldn't you just love it? Ashling to mix with the stars at the Oscars is the heading on the lead story there. And the Ashling in question is Dundalk filmmaker Ashling Clark, who's going to be rubbing shoulders with the rich and famous at the Oscars next month after receiving an invite for the exclusive event. The leader is reporting that she got the invite to the Glitzy ceremony off the back of receiving the UK Academy Gold Fellowship for Women back in October. So lucky her, Michael. Okay, uh, building construction story making for the front page of uh, the That's Democrat right. in Dundalk. A good news story also. It's reporting that GAA President John Horan will mark the official start of Loud Stadium building Dundalk by turning the sod at a ceremony next Monday afternoon. The news comes in the aftermath of a meeting involving the County Board Chairman Peter Fitz Patrick and Treasurer Aidan Beryl with GAA chiefs at Croke Park last Tuesday where the loud delegation were assured of support for the project. All right, we've uh, spent a, a lot of time talking about the gangs and the violence in uh, the Drogheda area, the killings for that matter. The people are going to respond on Saturday. This makes for the front page story of uh, the Drogheda Independent. That's right. It leads with the Stand Together rally in Drogheda on Saturday under the heading Get Out and March for Our Town, encouraging residents to attend. Also on the front page there's good news in that the St. Patrick's Day Parade in the town has been saved thanks to local business Wogan Bill Centre who stepped in to save the day. It had of course been announced earlier in the week that the parade would have to be cancelled due to spiralling insurance costs but thankfully now it's going ahead Michael. Okay we've been talking about uh, difficulty getting school places uh, for some time uh, but this has uh, gone to a different level in a story that features on the front page of the Mead Chronicle. That's right Michael about on 
unbelievable story, really. Twin brothers are going to be separated in Trim after one brother got a place in Boyne Community School, but the other didn't. It's a lottery system there. And because of the demand for places, the two brothers didn't get in. And I know we're going to be talking more about that shortly. Inside the paper, journalist Sally Harding also has a brilliant report, Michael, on the desperate steps that parents from Dunshockling are, have, Dunshockling are having to take because of a shortage of creche, creche places in the area. One dad telling her how he is forced to bring his 18-month-old daughter on an early morning commuter train to Dublin to access childcare. He has to wake her up at 5.30am, gets her ready, then drives to the M3 Parkway to catch the 6.30 train to Dublin. Okay, difficult lives for young people in County Mead. And let's uh, continue on with one of uh, those stories. Adri O'D is on the line. And a very good morning to you, Adri, and thank you indeed uh, for joining us. Uh, that story that's on the front page of the Mead Chronicle about the two twins, uh, they're your boys, uh, Keen and Aidan. Uh, Keen has been accepted into Boyne Community School, is that right? That's correct, yes. Uh, and Aidan has not? That's it. Why is that? Um, now, to say, like, when I, um, uh, when we sent in the application form, I indicated on both forms that they are twins, um, even though they were separate applications. And we had total confidence that both boys would get in. At no stage was there any issues raised by anyone involved that there is an issue, we're going to be an issue of oversubscription. What happened is that the school was vastly oversubscribed. A decision was made by the Board of Management to apply a lottery system. And through that, my one child got accepted and my other boy was placed on number 59 on the waiting list of 89 children. Oh, my God. Right. So you're saying that it was literally the luck of the draw. Exactly. Um, So we're just in the unfortunate position that we got one child in and another child didn't. Um, the problem as well is that at this stage, despite everything else, we still have 35 children on the waiting list, even though the numbers have gone down. And at this stage, there's no indication that there's any accommodation going to be made for these 35 children within the Boyne Community School. And where will they go? Well, that is a question. I mean, because this issue wasn't raised, um, as a parents, as a group of parents, are quite livid because at no stage was this in any way um, brought to our attention that this is going to be a possible issue. So applications to most schools in the area has closed mm. by the time that we were informed. Yeah, but you're talking about a, a fairly big classroom in itself who are without a place. Exactly. And, I mean, this doesn't just affect children in the local primary schools in Trim. They are children from Wainalbe, from mm. Kiltail. There's one boy um, that is in a class of 13 children. There are three boys in the class. He's the only one who didn't get in. God. So that plays, plays yeah. that family under immense pressure as well. Mm. So you're looking at a situation where, for the whole surrounding area of Trim, that there's a serious lack of secondary school placement. Yeah, I mean, the thing about that uh, is very hard to quantify, but I mean, when you're talking about separating people from everything that they're familiar with at such a young age and the security that comes with that and the confidence that comes with that and how lives are are built on those things, young lives uh, change as a result when you change things at that young age, uh, 12 years of age. Uh, But that, I suppose, to some extent is 
the macro story, the micro story from your point of view is that you have two 12-year-olds, two twins. Uh, if ever uh, people relied on each other, I would imagine it's yes. your, your boys because that's just the nature of being a twin, I, I think. Uh, you live life hand in hand and hand in glove. Uh, but uh, it's very difficult, I'm sure, for Keen, and I'm sure it's very difficult for Aidan. How have they been reacting? Um, they found this quite distress- distressing for both of them. Um, Kiana feels that feels bad about the fact that he got into the school, and he, you know, like he's yeah. done his guilty. brother wrong. He feels but guilty. He, uh, he feels guilty. Yeah. He hasn't been able to enjoy any of the build-up to secondary so far. Um, actually, to the point where he doesn't even want to go to the school because he says, "I feel bad for the fact that my friends and my mm. brother can't come with me because they have friends, two friends from preschool, that are also." Yeah. on the waiting list still presently. I mean, this is affecting mm. the community, yeah. not just individual families mm. at this stage. Um, it, and to be honest with you, as I said in the Chronicle, I am not willing to separate my children because I do not feel that's fair to them. Okay. So I don't feel that my children have a secondary placement until I have two children Mm. in the same school. Well, I think a lot of people will make sense of that. It is truly a remarkable situation that you find yourself in. Adri, uh, we'll check it back in with you over the course of uh, the next week or two and hope that there'll be change in the interim. But thank you indeed for joining us here on the programme this morning. Adri O'Dea, mother of Keane and Aidan. Michael, Michael Reed, Reed on, on LMFM. To us, Marie Kearns uh, joins us with some of the calls and text messages that have been coming to us this morning. Good morning to you, Marie. Good morning, Michael, and good morning to everybody listening in. Mark was in touch listening to your interview with Jimmy Gearin, Michael. We thought that when Veronica Gearin was murdered, it was going to be a turning point in Ireland. It's very sad now when you look at what we are dealing with in the country. Such savagery, says mm, Mark. Yeah, well, that takes you back 25 years or thereabouts. Another listener, exactly, Michael. Mm. Elizabeth says that she remembered the day that, and still does, mm. that Veronica Gearin was killed because there was such shock in Ireland and it's terrible that she lost her life in that way. And then you look at the Ireland of today that there is so much violence in communities that mm. she feels that there's so many young people out of control And you wonder where it is all going to end, that there really has to be a sit down and a look at where Ireland is heading away from this Mm. general election debacle, as she calls it. Well, I mean, I think that's what people were saying in 1996, uh, 24 years ago, Mm. uh, because the problem uh, dates back a a lot longer than that. uh, And uh, there are some of us who can remember firsthand living beside the Dons in Dolphins Barn and uh, how life changed in that part of the world when heroin became part and parcel of day-to-day life. Marie from Drada says, I read last night in the aftermath of that awful murder that the Gardaí are going round now after the people in and around the feud who've been breaking bail. And I just wonder why they're doing this now, that it's crazy that it hasn't been done before, that the clampdown hasn't come. Marie says that she's from Drada and feels very nervous because you don't know when or where there'll be a strike next, as she puts it. Yeah, well, a strike, uh, not the kind of industrial action that you associate that word with, uh, more the type uh, that sees uh, somebody being buried. Jim from Navin feels that those involved in these activities should be tagged on conviction of minor crimes 
to monitor their every move. They don't deserve the freedom that decent people have. Forget this bull about civil rights, says Jim. Mm. Yeah, well, I suppose uh, that's the question that a, a lot of people are asking at the moment. Uh, do we want uh, to give up the type of civil rights uh, that have led us to believe uh, that you are innocent until proven guilty? Or do we want to go down the road that Jimmy Guerin, Veronica Guerin's uh, brother, is suggesting uh, that you round them up and lock them up and think about trials afterwards? A handwritten letter in, Michael, which we don't normally get, just to say we see much about the violence on our streets being called gangland, which gives the impression that it's contained to gangs only. But the truth is that violence is terrorising whole communities, even towns and villages. People are genuinely afraid to speak out. Even politicians are afraid. And I don't blame them because nobody knows who could be the next victim. I believe that the activities of these gangs should be treated as acts of terrorism and should be dealt with under the Terrorism Act. And in areas most affected should have the army patrolling to make people feel safer. If this violence is not going to stop now, how is it going to be stopped when it gets worse? It must also be said that those buying illegal drugs are funding the narco-terrorists and so they should be they should go after those who are using drugs as well. Alright, well it's interesting as well that you talk about civil rights and uh, as to whether we should uh, look at the likes of internment or how we should deal with uh, people uh, in terms of uh, if uh, they're held or what bail conditions uh, there might be if uh, they're released on uh, bail because uh, people will be reading uh, in the the papers uh, this morning uh, remarkable testimony if you like that was given to the High Court yesterday about somebody who had broken bail conditions Uh, that somebody uh, is said to be related to to the ongoing feud in uh, Drogheda and uh, said that he he couldn't keep his bail conditions uh, because uh, otherwise he'd be a sitting duck and that he broke bail conditions uh, because he didn't want to be a sitting duck and he was afraid that he'd be hit uh, and as a result of his bail conditions, uh, he's arguing uh, that uh, there was a shooting on uh, the Bridge of uh, Peace uh, and uh, that uh, his movements uh, couldn't be as predictable as they are. I need to be less predictable, he said. I can't be showing my face out too much. He argued that his hands had been forced into this uh, in relation to breaching his bail conditions and not signing on at a, a guard station in the days after the shooting attempt on him at the Bridge of Peace, which resulted in a taxi driver, a completely innocent person who was driving this person uh, at the time being shot uh, and uh, a lot of concern about uh, his health as a result of all of that. Moving, Michael, to your interview with uh, the Green Party candidate, Sean McCabe. Lots of text messages in already uh, following that. Uh, Marie says it's clear, listening to Sean McCabe, that there's a false narrative out there which pitches the Green Party against farmers. And I haven't heard anyone express what's really needed, namely systems change better than him. Sean has the calibre to be one of the best TDs Meath has had. And we certainly need his voice in the doll in the era of climate and biodiversity crisis. Another listener, I think the Green candidate was class. He's right, our farming community is under more threat from billionaire beef processors than hippies in sandals. <laughs> well, 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 we'll take that to mean uh, that our caller, I, I, I thought our caller was probably a Green Party supporter, <laughs> but I take it our caller thinks uh, that Sean McCabe is a hippie in sandals. 
Uh, I don't mm. think he was wearing sandals. <laughs> Miriam mm. says, what a fantastic interview with the green man, Sean McKay. Very proud of my neighbour in Bellustown. Okay, so there well, you I'm go. glad you declared uh, your vested <laughs> interest in that. Yeah, thank you for doing so as well. Sheila uh, mm. contacted us on a separate topic. Uh, and she's annoyed uh, about Sinn Féin being excluded from the leaders debate Michael Mm. and she says and before you say it Mm. she is definitely not a Sinn Féin follower Mm. but she believes in fairness and she thinks it's only fair Mm. that Sinn Féin have their say why should it just be the Fine Gael and Fianna Fáil leaders fair is fair Michael and she thinks that what this will do is benefit Sinn Féin Mm. because everybody is up in arms over it Yeah well I, I I don't know. I think there's arguments on both sides of this particular issue. I think there's an argument to exclude Sinn Féin because I think it's probably true to say, I'd be very surprised to say the least, uh, if it wasn't true to say that either Leo Varadkar or Michal Martin will be the next Taoiseach. Uh, but it's also true to say that Sinn Féin are a key player in this uh, election and may end up taking in around a third of the vote, certainly if uh, the polls are to be believed and uh, they could help form the next government. Uh, it's possible that Mary Lou Macdonald could be the next Honishap uh, and uh, not allowing her to participate in such a high-profile debate uh, could work as a disadvantage to Sinn Féin and could be seen as unfair. I think uh, there's arguments of merit on both sides. And I don't think it would do any harm to have a woman up there, Michael. Oh, I don't know. That that, that makes no difference to me at all. It does to me. Okay. I just think that Mm. um, it would be interesting because you definitely hear a different perspective. Like, she is a leader of a party. I'd hope not. I'd hope not. I think you do hear a different perspective. Mm, okay. I think women do bring yeah, something different to Margaret the table. Thatcher? Like men bring something like different Margaret to Thatcher? the table. Yeah. Well, Margaret yeah, Thatcher had a yeah. lot of support. She did, yeah, but yes. she was a fascist. Ursula, <laughs> Ursula von der Leyen, uh, a warmonger. Well, you're going to you're going to complain about all the women that were ever in power. No, 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 absolutely not. No, quite the opposite. Uh, I'm just saying that I don't think it makes any difference uh, if you're a, a man or a woman. I, I certainly don't think that anybody should vote for anybody based on their gender. No, I I agree mm. with you. I don't think anybody should vote for somebody on the basis of the gender mm. either. Mm. But obviously, if agree if you agree with their policies mm. and if they represent what uh, you're in favour mm, of if mm. they represent you as a person well then it shouldn't yeah, matter. matter it shouldn't yeah. matter that's whether they're, they're male yeah. or female but yeah. I do yeah. think yeah. that yeah. women and men bring different things to the table maybe I do. so yeah. well, I, I, do. I don't they know they have different perspectives well I, I, I think Leo Radker represents all the men and women in uh, Fine Gael Micheál Martin all the men and women in Fianna Fáil and Mary Lou Macdonald all the men and women in Sinn Féin and I think as leaders of the parties they should speak on behalf of the parties I don't think their gender should make any difference whatsoever regardless of whether they are male or female, for that matter. Yes, but the point I'm making is, I, I do agree <laughs> that they're gender. I know, the point, you know making, the point you're making. I know the point you're making, yes. But, <laughs> okay. But I don't accept it. I reject it completely out of hand as, a, as an irrelevant point. Oh, well, that's your opinion. Yes. Yes, and I beg to differ. Mm. But anyway, mm. we'll, we'll move on, shall mm. we? Uh, we also had another listener on the same topic. Uh, John got in touch, and it's kind of similar to the point that Sheila is making, because John thinks that Sinn Féin absolutely love this. Uh, you know the way mm-hmm. Rashida was saying that they could yep. be benefiting mm-hmm. from this. This is the point he's making that they could absolutely, they'd be loving this. Mm-hmm. You know, that they love to be the underdogs the and victim. that something mm-hmm. is done against them. Yeah, mm-hmm. victim. Yep. And feels that um, 
because of this, they are actually garnering more support that people who wouldn't necessarily be supporters of Sinn Féin think that, that they are being hard done by over this. Mm. And John doesn't see why the leaders, especially when they all have similar enough support, are not given a chance mm. to debate against one another. What uh, harm would that mm. do, says uh, John? Well, I, I don't know. I think uh, if people have a, a, an issue with what's happening, then the issue should be with the broadcasters. Uh, the issue should be with RTA and the issue should be with Virgin Media. All right, well, look, we'll finish on that one. Okay, thank you indeed uh, for that. Thanks to everybody who has been in touch with us today. If you'd like to add to what's been said, as always, we'd love to hear from you. Our telephone number is 1850-715-958. Michael Reed on LMFM. We'll continue our series of one-to-one getting to know you interview with uh, interviews with uh, general election candidates. Now, Noel French is uh, a Fine Gael councillor and uh, candidate in uh, the election in Meath West for his party, and he joins us in studio. And a very good morning to you, and uh, thank you indeed. Uh, good morning, Michael. The this morning. Well, tell us why you believe uh, people should vote Noel French. Why people should vote for me is because I work for the community. I uh, listen to people. Uh, when people ring me, write to me or whatever, I reply, I guarantee it. I provide a service for the people. I put the community first. I put uh, people first, whether it's accessibility, housing, uh, climate change, mental health, drugs. Mm. Doesn't everybody do that? No. Oh, who doesn't do that? Uh, who doesn't do it? I don't know, but I can tell you I do. Uh, with regard to drugs, I'm on the board of Tabor House in uh, Navan. Uh, we have 12 men there uh, recovering from uh, addiction. We were working on a new house for uh, 12 uh, women. Uh, with regard to accessibility, I got into a wheelchair and went around Trim. And by goodness, we have improved Trim accessibility. We've done uh, Beliver now as well. Mm. And uh, we're working on Summerhill and Enfield and it's only small little things um, so housing uh, I've put forward motions at the uh, council with regard to uh, taking uh, compulsory purchase uh, orders on uh, vacant buildings uh, Loud County Council was very successful in doing that right. and uh, I tried to get them to do that in Meath I tried to get an architect appointed on the council in order to uh, speed up a delivery climate change is, pr- is actually and I know you had mm-hmm. uh, the green candidate mm-hmm. in here earlier yep. uh, um Wolves are not uh, possible in Ireland. Uh, there is only one place in Ireland that you could put a wolf pack, and that is in Glenvay Park in Donegal. And mm. you need two wolf packs. I would have thought it was on Kildare Street. <laughs> So I've been working on climate change. I've been putting forward Mm. proposals at uh, council level. The one thing I find about the political system, and it was always the fear I had before I went into it, was it is slow. Mm. It is slow to react. It is... uh, uh, I put forward motions on climate change in 2015 Mm. and on more trees in 2016. And three or four years later, these become official council policies or Mm. government policies. Mm. Uh, This is your first time to run a a general election? First and I'd say only. And only, yeah. (laughs) Are are, Are you disappointed to have been brought in as a substitute? Uh, I'm not a substitute. I stand on my own two feet uh, and I'm not a substitute. Ah, yeah, but why why, why is Noel French and not the other fellow? 
because I got a great vote in the local election. Yeah, but it was I the other fellow. I worked hard. It was hard the other fellow and the girl to him. Pe- I worked hard and people gave yeah. me a huge vote and I appreciate their mm. thank you so much. Mm. I appreciate mm-hmm. uh, it, it really well, why so why is Noel French on the ticket? Why was Ray Butler taken off the ticket? Alice. You don't know. Uh, like Damien English, don't know. Like Helen McEntee, you don't know. Like uh, Regina no, Doherty, no, you don't know. No, I did never said that. Oh? Oh. Why was he taken off the ticket? Why was he taken off the ticket? I, I, I'll start by saying, I don't know, but I can suspect. <laughs> I can suspect. Mm. You and I, I, mm. I know uh, uh, that he got... Uh, um, uh, a sum of money f- mm-hmm. after uh, him losing his mm-hmm. seat and he was very slow in paying back that mm-hmm. money mm-hmm. and that was embarrassing to me mm. and embarrassing to the Fine Gael party mm. I There's think. been a number of embarrassments uh, for the Fine Gael for party For who? Where? When? How? Okay, well he's, not the, o- well he's not the only candidate who's been taken off the ticket uh, Was Maria Bella not taken off the ticket because she was an embarrassment to Fine Gael? Uh, was Verona Murphy not taken off the ticket because she was an embarrassment to Fine Gael? Well, there you are. You see, there's there's good reasons for mm. taking them off. And can you swing on a swing, Michael, without hands? You probably can. So can I. Mm. And if you fall off a swing, mm-hmm. would you look for a claim? Mm. Would you? Uh, I can't imagine it. I don't think it would even cross my mind, to be honest. Mm. No, mm. neither neither mine. Mm. And uh, Verona Murphy, mm. um, uh, there is no place for uh, racism. Mm. And uh, I thought she was a very intelligent woman mm. and I had s- seen her perform mm. uh, for the Irish Road College and, my God, was she a performer and she was mm. absolutely brilliant and I mm. thought she was great. Mm. So where that thing came out of, I don't know. Mm. I, do n- I do not know. Uh, um, I can be kind and say uh, it was blown out of context mm. or it was misinterpreted, yeah. but you don't say things like that. Even even if they're going to be misinterpreted, mm. um, and I I do think I do think uh, she was got rid of very quickly, mm. uh, and I think that was a, a political decision mm. uh, because we just couldn't have anybody associated mm. with racism in in the party. Yeah, and, and there's question par- and there's questions about the one of the candidates in Loud as well. I haven't heard that, and mm. I I'm not going there. Mm. Uh, I'm trying. Uh, facing uh, court charges. Uh, th- well, there may well be, but yeah. I am mm. I am talking for myself, and I understand and that. I yeah. am yeah. trying yeah. to yeah. set the best yeah. example yeah. I can. Mm. Do my best. Yeah. Uh, people know what I do. Mm. I work hard. Yeah. Uh, that's why I got three thousand yeah. votes in in the local, yeah. and I appreciate that that so so much. Yeah. And I want to go not only from yeah. Trim working hard, but uh, Navin, nonetheless, Castle though, Pollard, you are Old Castle, sure, absolutely, and none and I don't dispute any of that. Nonetheless, you are a, a Finnegale candidate, absolutely. Uh, and these embarrassments have fed into some questionable decisions made by the party, absolutely. Uh, and it's a difficult time as the polls reflect. Uh, I think for your party? I'm not interested in in polls, Michael. Polls, uh, each of these contests are individual contests. Uh, The polls and all the predictions in Mead West say, say him back. Now, uh, that's one Fianna Fáil, one Fianna Gael and an A and two. If I believe the polls and the pundits, the Irish Times says Mm -hmm. it, the Irish Independent says it, what am I doing here? 
I'm here to win a seat to represent the people. And with regard to Fine Gael, uh, I am a voice coming in to Fine Gael. Mm. I'm not in the parliamentary party. I have uh, I have ambitions to go into the parliamentary party mm. and I my voice will be heard there and my voice will be heard loud. Is it possible that Fine Gael will lose a seat in Mead West given that Mead West has in part taken responsibility for one of the most shameful situations in the country because Damien English has responsibility for housing? I, I, no, I, I, I don't think so. Uh, the housing, uh, again, as I said earlier, uh, we the system is slow off the mark. We had no houses built for eight years. Absolutely no mm. houses. Before that, the social housing uh, on private estates was being bought out by developers. Mm. So we really had no housing and our construction workers went abroad. So uh, it's oh, and we had no money due mm. to the bank crisis. So we only started building houses from about 2016 onwards. Mm. And it is a slow process. Yeah. And it is extremely it's a crap slow. crap performance. I mean, that's... It's it, not crap. No, it no, is. no. I know it I, is. I, I, it's no, it's utter not, crap. No, yeah. no, no. Yeah. I will not mm. accept that. It's not great. <laughs> it's not great, mm. but it's not crap. Mm. We are working, and we we also have. I think, with regard mm. to homelessness, this uh, homelessness is hitting every developed country in the world. It's in England, it's in, in Netherlands, it's in America. Go to America, mm. go to the uh, go to the west coast of America and see all the homeless mm. people people there. I think there's something happened. I don't, happened want, to. I don't in, want to go to in, America. <laughs> there's something but there is something in society that has caused that. Yeah. And the government. No, it's not. There's something or in the society. lack of government. No. Mm. No, a, a little bit like the health issues, uh, the waiting list. Did you see that this morning? Thousands of people taken off waiting lists, and they'd never seen anybody. Now they I'm, were waiting to see somebody, and they never saw somebody, but they were taken off the, the waiting list. And everybody knows how that happens. Uh, you're on your holidays, and you get a letter saying you've to write back in yes. a, a week or phone back in a week, and you come back and you've missed the deadline. Now, Michael, with regard to homelessness mm. and and house building, mm. we are working on it. It will be delivered. We will deliver it. And mm. if we don't deliver it, the next government, whoever it is, will deliver it. But it is going to take another five to ten years, mm. realistically. With regard to the health system, what have we done with the health system for the last 25, 30 mm. years? Throwing money at it. We've thrown, Fianna Gael have thrown money at it. Fianna Fáil thrown money at it. Everybody has thrown money at it. Mm-hmm. It needs a systemic change. Slauncher Care, I am hoping that Slauncher Care which is an agreed policy between all the parties, will have an impact on it. Because if it doesn't, we're going to continue Mm. throwing money at it for a whole long time. There are too many vested interests in it uh, taking, uh, and those vested interests are hard to change. It's the same as why the system takes such a long time Mm. to make changes and come to decisions. There is a system in the health service as well, which needs... Uh, to be changed. Mm. It's an uphill battle though, isn't it? Uh, do you think that if uh, Fianna Fáil get the outcome that many are projecting uh, that there'll be a confidence and supply arrangement with Fine Gael? I don't know. Uh, I really don't know. I would like to pay tribute to uh, Fianna Fáil for uh, putting the country first. Uh, you know, we've been looking at uh, the 
Parliament in Westminster over the last three years and nobody put in the country first. So I do have to say fair play to Fianna Fáil for putting the country first. I don't know what the outcome of it. it it's, it's going to be hard. But what I can say is for the last four years, we have, a cent- we have centrist parties running the country. And that may be Fianna Gael supported mm. uh, t- to a certain extent by Fianna Fáil. It limits what a government can do because you can't implement your own policies because you have another party there to run, run them by. But what it does mean is that we have a centre middle ground uh, uh, government that's running the country I fear uh, one of the things I fear for the next uh, government uh, is that one of the left wing parties smaller or bigger will will coalesce with one of the other bigger parties that could be Fianna Gael or it could be Fianna Fáil and we could have a, a centrist party but with a left twinge there mm-hmm. that we'll, we'll want to implement leftist policies. Mm. Now some leftist policies are fair and equal but some of them are cock And why do right-wing parties call themselves centrist? We're not right-wing. Sure, well, Fidel is the most right-wing party that... Uh who We've said that? Had. I did. Uh, I mean, well, you're that's, wrong. That, that's why. You're wrong. That's why you, you have. You are. You are wrong. That's why you have the homeless situation. That's no, why you it's have not. the health crisis. No. Is it not? You're saying we're right wing. Hmm. Why? Look at our po- look at our policy and social change. Hmm. Are we right-wing with the social changes we've? we've well, I, I think it was very right-wing when you made the lowest paid people in the country pay PRSI. What was it? Michael Noonan said. The best value that you'll ever get for a fiver. A fiver. That was somebody who didn't realise the value of a fiver. He knew the cost of it, but he didn't know the value of it. Well, I will agree with you on, on, on that point, but I will not agree with you with uh, our government doing that. Our government came in uh, in 2011 mm. and we were bankrupt. Mm. We had why, an why, economist, one second, we, we had taking, an economist why, why come we, into why, the council. Why aren't we, we, no, no, we taking the money off Apple? Why aren't we taking the money off Apple? Let me finish this point first. Oh, we well, had an economist yeah. come into the and council. And do what Brian Lanahan suggested. No, no. Yes. No, no, I'm talking about oh, right. into the okay. council. Okay, yeah. We had an economist mm-hmm. come into the council last year. Mm-hmm. And he said, when they were mm-hmm. doing the development plan, the industrial development and mm-hmm. economic development plan for the council in 2013, mm-hmm. at that time, every economist foretold that we would have 10 to 20% unemployment by 2020. Mm-hmm. We now have less than 4%, yep. which is full employment. Mm-hmm. Michael, I am for, honestly for, amazed at... because. I, for implementing Brian Lenehan's the Fianna Fáil roadmap uh, to recovery. And and yet Fianna Fáil mm. will deny parts of that. I don't know if they will. I think uh, they'd suggest uh, that they paid the price for it. But anyway. Mm. I don't mm. know, did they? Mm. <laughs> we have come back okay. in mm. the 70s. Mm. We came back in the 80s and the 90s. And we uh, took uh, econom- mm. our economy from recession back into glowing yeah. uh, glowing terms it seems, and handed it over it seems, to somebody else. It seems and as though it'll have to be a Fine Gael recovery in the 20s uh, if uh, there's uh, to God, be I a, a Fine Gael We have to have responsible government. Noel French, thank you indeed for coming into us uh, this morning. Sitting councillor and candidate for Fine Gael in Mead West. Michael, Michael Reed on, on LMFM. LMFM.
Now, Age Action Ireland and Active Retirement Ireland have launched their general election manifesto. This is a, a joint manifesto from uh, the two groups, and we're joined by Maureen Kavanagh, who's uh, Chief Executive Officer of Active Retirement Ireland. Good morning to you, Maureen, and uh, thanks uh, for joining us here on the programme this morning. Obviously, you're not, morning, field- Michael. you're not fielding candidates, uh, but you're asking people to vote for reform and not promises, as you put it, and you've five points in particular that you're looking at or asking people to look at, uh, uh, Minister for Older People being one of them, a Commissioner for Ageing and uh, Ambitious Climate Action, consistent with climate justice to protect people and the planet. But let's talk about the other two, if we can, uh, to do with the state pension. Uh, One of uh, the issues uh, you would like to bring forward is to depoliticise the state pension and the other is to suspend uh, the planned increase of uh, the pension age uh, to 67. But I'd like to politicise it, if I can, to begin our conversation this morning, Maureen. Uh, because uh, the Irish Independent uh, leads today with uh, a number of politicians, 17 of them who are retiring. And uh, they're to enjoy a pension pot of €22 million. Euro. Uh, there's two worlds, uh, the worlds of haves and have-nots, it would seem. Yes, unfortunately, that is the state of ageing in Ireland today. There is definitely the the, the various different levels, Michael. And I mean, obviously, um, people in the public sector have been paying in towards pension pots um, during their years of working. We have our politicians retiring with their pensions and they, they've completed the number of years that are required to that. And then we have other people who work out in the broader sector who... I suppose have worked believing that the payment of uh, PRSI and all of that would work towards their pension, mm. but giving them um, a pension that is significantly lower than other pensions in the sector. Yeah, some of uh, these pensions are pretty incredible. €22 million Euro overall for 17 politicians uh, retiring, over £1.5 million uh, for Cuivre O'Quailen and Martin Ferris of Sinn Féin. Gerry Adams gets 686000 Jonathan O'Brien, 495000 Not all of them, of course, of a retiring age. Finia McGran, independent, £1.5 million. Maureen O'Sullivan, 887000 John Halligan, three quarters of a million. Michael Harty, three hundred and fifty seven thousand Willie Penrose one and a half million and Brendan Ryan uh, a million euro. It's the kind of money that people can only dream of otherwise. Well it is and I mean that that is the system that is in place. You know what I mean? And I suppose we need you need to look at those figures. And I'm not defending those mm. pensions, please believe me, I am not, because basically what we're looking for is the ordinary state pension to be increased to a thirty four percent of the average weekly earnings and that'd be the industrial wage, not mm. the political wage. So, but you do need to look at those, I suppose, spread over the years as well. But look, look at these are these are big pensions, and there is a concern that if you do receive that level of a pension, do you fully understand what it's like to live mm. on the salt? Well, most of us do. Let's put our feet back on the ground and talk about life in the real world. Uh, 34% of the average weekly earnings, you say, should uh, be uh, the state pension or the state pension should be the equivalent of that. At what age should we uh, qualify for it? I think that's now, that's something that really needs to be looked at. One of our asks is to suspend the planned increase of the state pension to 67 by the year 2021. The reason why we're asking for that is that there is no framework within um, and system within to ensure that 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 would be in place. For example, there are sectors, there are people who work in different sectors who just physically would not be able to keep working. 
to the age of 67 or to 68. So we have to bear that in mind. There are other sectors where there's no planned training in place so that older people in certain workplaces can retrain so they're not doing the same job um, coming up to 67 and 68. So all of that needs to be in place before you would be able to say, we'll increase the pension age. Because what we don't want to say either is that you have to go at 65. Because a lot of people don't want to go at 65. Mm. So we do need a proper framework in place so that there is choice there for people. And there's a reality that if, if you're working, for example, in the caring profession, people have stated they cannot do that level of work. Mm. That heavy lifting and that type of work that is required when someone is totally dependent on their care uh, right into their 60s. Mm. That's, a, that's the sort of thing we yeah. need to be very, or, or, very careful or, or, about. Or if you're working in building, uh, it's quite possible that you started working long before other people did uh, and you're going to work until the same age. Absolutely. If you're in, in um, professions like um, the buildings and heavy heavy lifting type of work, people are saying that they would not be able to continue. Mm. And that if when, when once we have a gap, when you have a gap with a government saying the pension aid is going to be 67, mm. and then also if we have employers saying, well, I'm not going to keep you on beyond 65, mm. then what's happening is that we've older people going on to social welfare payments that aren't their pension. They are the dole. Yeah, but you may have started working at 18 or 19 years of age uh, and possibly 10 years before other people who earned a lot more than you and are entitled to a lot more when they retire uh, but uh, get the state pension at the same age as you. Uh, there's some people, as you say, who want to work uh, into their late 70s and beyond, as uh, the case may be. But some people will want to retire at 65, uh, regardless of, of what they're doing. Even if uh, they're sitting talking for a living, uh, they might like uh, the idea of sitting back and retiring and enjoying uh, the latter years of their life and spending it in a, a different way. Uh, should they be entitled also, to do that? Yeah, and also, of course, Michael, I mean, obviously... Um, like we need to we need to revisit the whole issue of pension here in Ireland, um, you know what I mean? Because we do like we do hear the figures and we do understand that you know the, in the future with the number of uh, people getting older in Ireland, and will there be enough working people to maintain the the social transfer system that we have? But we need to take a better view of what it is. Uh, what does retirement actually look like? There is no. There's nowhere in this country that it recognises that when people uh, retire from work, they get involved in voluntary work, they get involved in different things within their communities. That's not recognised. There really is this sense that, oh, here's all these people retiring and off they're going, enjoying themselves. Of course they have. They've worked hard to get to where they are. But a lot of them also then go on to benefit back into the communities, which we believe in active retirement should be recognised as well. Mm. Uh, Are you surprised uh, that uh, the pension has uh, become such an issue in this general election campaign, Maureen? Not really, no. This is an area that we've been working on um, and some of our uh, sector organisations for a number of years. It's been in our pre-budget submissions for the last three or four years to get them to recognise that just increasing the state pension in its own by age is not enough, that they need to look at the framework within which that happens. And they also need to talk to other sectors about how can workers be retrained as they get older and to look at all of that together and take a more whole-of-government, a whole-of-society approach. 
Okay, well, we'll leave it there for the moment. Undoubtedly, uh, there'll be much more talk uh, before polling day and indeed uh, some more promises uh, in relation uh, to the state pension. But thank you indeed for joining us here on This Morning. Maureen Kavanagh, Chief Executive Officer of Active Retirement Ireland. Michael Reed on LMFM. Yeah, we've uh, another one-to-one getting to know you general election candidate interview for you. This time we're going to speak with Eamon Sweeney, who's a candidate for the Renewa Party in Louth. And good morning to you, Eamon, and uh, thanks for coming in to us uh, this morning. Tell us a little bit about yourself and why you think people should vote Eamon Sweeney, number one. Yeah, good, good morning, Michael. It's, uh, it's it's great to be here and it's great to get a chance to talk to, to the listeners in, in the Loud area and indeed beyond. Yeah, I, I, my name is Eamon Sweeney. I'm, I'm, I'm from Temmin Fekin, Drogheda, County Loud, and I'm a farmer. And uh, I'm also a serving peace commissioner. And um, I have been, I actually worked here in LMFM for quite a number of years doing the farming programme and uh, a variety of other programmes as well some years ago. So, uh it was a great experience, and uh, I'm a full-time dairy farmer, and um, I've, I've, um, that's basically what I'm at in my mm. full-time job. Yeah, and full-time. why did you decide to run in the general election uh, when you couldn't get elected at council level? Well, you know that, that's a pertinent question, and I, I did well in the local elections, and people were saying to me, "Was I running in the, in the general election?" And I began to say to myself, "Well, look, uh, maybe that maybe the people out there feel that maybe I should throw me throw throw my name in." But but beyond that, um, I, I I believe in giving people choice. Uh, the main political parties have control of the political system basically since since the foundation of the state practically. So I, I believe in giving people choice. There's an awful lot of disenfranchised people out there who, who, who are looking for somebody or some party to vote for and who are maybe not happy with the mainstream mm. parties. So I said, look, g- give it a chance. Also, um, I, I believe in, in, I belong to Renewa Ireland. It's, it's a political mm. party and I believe in the six pillars that, that, that we stand on and I, I believe in that in those pillars. So I said, look, you know, why not give the people a chance to, 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 see, to, to see what they think of those pillars? And, and, it, and then at its basic level, I just enjoy meeting people. I just mm. enjoy meeting people and helping people when I can. So if you can be of some service, why not? Yeah, well, I think people do want choice and uh, would like more choice, uh, but it's clear that they don't want renewal. Why are you flogging this dead horse? Well, that has been said to me in the past as mm. well, Michael. Yeah. But we, we, had a, we had a difficult local election. Um, as you said, uh, you know, n- nothing returned and it was a difficult election. Mm. But... We are building a party. It's, it's a slow process, Mike, to build a political party from the ground. Mm. You, you must remember we started But you've gone backwards since you built. Well, well, that depends on how you look at it. Well, we, I, we, I look at it in the way that there was a Rockers representation when you started, uh, and now there isn't. Uh, and you lost your founder and leader, uh, and uh, people have clearly said this is a cast-off from a, an Ireland uh, that belongs in the Dark Ages. Well, well Michael, I, I know I understand, but, but you... you that's negative. That that's negative. A negative approach you're putting out here. I mean, yes, we. A lot of people would say it's positive that we've moved on from that old-fashioned nonsense uh, and that we're more progressive in our thinking. Well, that's the positive way of looking at what is an old-fashioned party. We had a difficult election. The leader of the party probably felt it was untenable mm. to, to stay around. He didn't return any mm. any any elected representatives apart from himself, and he felt it was it was time to to, mm. to move on. And, and and he found it difficult mm. to to remain. But that said, we've been building mm. since that, and we we have a core support. Like in the last uh, poll there at the weekend, mm. we are at a solid one percent. 
So, I mean, that may, in your eyes, be small, but it's 1%. It's, it's up there with, with, with some of the rest. Mm. Uh, I, I take your point, but we, we, have a, we have a solid core base and we are building a solid well, you, party. You, you, you say there's six pillars uh, to renew. I take it anti-abortion and anti-foreigner are two of them. What are the other four? Well, we believe in putting the taxpayer first. We, we believe society at the moment, as it is run from, from, from a taxation point of view, does not favour middle class workers. The ordinary person going to work in the morning, husband and wife working, mm. childcare, Montessori care, the whole lot, they are taxed to the head. We believe that the, the burden should be mm. lightened on those people and that the higher echelons of, of society should pay more to cushion the drop. So of, you're a middle, middle class party. You're a right wing party. You're Fine Gael with no, abortion. No, 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 no. What we're, Without we're, abortion and anti-foreigner. No, no we're a right of centre party. Mm. And th- the question you asked me there was about taxation. We believe people are crippled paying taxation. I don't taxation. remember asking about taxation. Well, well, <laughs> well, well, well you mentioned taxation as, as, a, as a pillar. Um, well, maybe I picked, maybe I picked mm-hmm. you up wrong, but I do believe I do. People are taxed to the head, and mm-hmm. and it, it, people are sick of it. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, the, the, but I, I I think I'm putting across a negative picture mm-hmm. here. What's wrong with paying taxes? How, how else do we build schools or houses or hospitals? Yeah, but, it, but it's where the burden of taxation is. Mm. I mean, there's very, very extremely wealthy people in the country who could pay a little bit more to cushion the middle class. Like you talk to anybody, school teachers, nurses, guards, talk to any of those people and they will all tell you that they're paying far too much tax and they're left with no disposable income. Mm. We, do, we don't think that's fair. Yeah, well, everybody will tell you that they're paying far too much tax. I mean, that's uh, a given. But everybody wants uh, to be able to sleep soundly in bed at night and to think that there's a police force outside to protect them and somebody has to pay for it. Absolutely. But there are... There are other avenues of income in the country that can be that can be tapped into without crippling the working class, middle class Ireland. Mm. Okay, what else? Uh, you've uh, another three pillars there. Yeah, well, I mean, we are, we are obviously a pro-life party. You you, mm-hmm. me, you, you mentioned mm-hmm. that. Um, we also believe in entrepreneurship. Mm-hmm. Um, we believe in, 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 in subsidising and helping SMAs to, 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 to the best we can. And the growth of, of we believe that, the, that, the, that the, the very foundation of, of any modern society is mm-hmm. small business. Mm-hmm. And I mean, it creates employment and it, it gives a good fabric to society. So mm. we would be very supportive of, of, of small businesses. Um, we also believe in, uh, in in a cohesive society, which is basically that we try to, now this is an ideal and, mm. and, and a, a difficult one to, to achieve, that you bring everybody along. So some people get left behind. Some mm. sections of society get mm. left behind. But we, we believe in a fair society, a compassionate society. Compassionate. Uh, does that involve uh, protesting outside of health facilities uh, where abortion services are available to women? Well, listen, the, 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 the whole idea of, of protesting, nobody should break the law. I'm a firm believer mm. in law and order. If it's legal to protest, we have the right to protest mm. for any matter that, yeah. that arises. Mm. So I, I don't think, if, if yeah, I believe the right to protest as long as you're not breaking the law. Mm. Should the law be changed to make it illegal to protest outside of hospitals or um, fertility clinics uh, or other health facilities, GPs, offices uh, where women may be trying to access uh, abortion services? I, I think, you know, you cannot narrow this down to just protesting outside 
abortion clinics or whatever. Mm. If you're starting to talk about changing the law, you have to encompass all protests. I mean, the farming protests. Are, mm. are you going to say they're, they're wrong to protest? Are you going to say it's wrong to protest if, if, if there's an issue regarding anything else in the country? So mm. I think when you start meddling with the law... Well, there are restrictions on farmers protesting, as you know, and that's why uh, the blockades uh, were deemed uh, illegal uh, and there is a, a way of protesting that is acceptable to people and there is a way of protesting that is not acceptable to people and a lot of people find it unacceptable to think that you would be judging and condemning people who are accessing what is a legitimate legal health service in this country. But I think, Michael, you have to understand that you can have one law for one and one law for another. If you bring in a law, it has to be a blanket law and it has to affect all areas of protest. Mm. So, I mean, you cannot just bring in a law to say you cannot you cannot march to Dublin so, on a tractor. So, so you'd support um, pro-choice people uh, holding protests inside churches during Sunday Mass? I support... Would you? I, I, I support law and order. I, mm. If you're not breaking the law... Well, there's nothing illegal about holding a protest in a well, church if, during Sunday Mass. Well, if something's not illegal, it's not illegal. So you would support people's right to hold a protest in a church during Mass uh, in order uh, to uh, make uh, abortion more accessible? I support a person's right to exercise yeah. their legal rights mm. in any aspect of life, yeah. as long as it's legal. Yeah. Euthanasia. Uh, protest for euthanasia in a church on Sunday. During communion. When people are entitled to voice their opinion, they're entitled to peaceful pro- protest, like everything. Would you like that? Would you like to see well, people well, protesting in churches, uh, campaigning for euthanasia during communion? But that's not up to me to decide. Mm. That's up to the public to decide. Look at. Would it upset people? I, I don't think the question you're asking me is particularly a practical question. I mean, you know, I mean, you have to be realistic. I mean, well, you it, have to be realistic my, about my, my, my people answer, going to get avail of a health service uh, and fellas standing in front of them with coffins telling them they'll go to hell. Well, I mean, if they're acting within the law mm. and they feel that they're justified in doing it, I mean, what what more can you say about that? Mm. I mean, if you're not, if, if but if you're but to your original point, if you want to change the law, it has to be the law has to change for everybody. For all protests, you can't just single out. One, like you can't single out the farmers and say, "Look, we're not going to allow you to protest." Mm. You, you have to have a law that that's that's fair and even to everybody. Mm. Okay, well, very good. Uh, people will get the chance to vote for you uh, on the eighth of February, and uh, wish you every success. And I look forward and, uh, to meeting. Thanks them uh, for coming Th- into us uh, this morning. Thanks, Mike. Eamon Sweeney, renew a candidate in Louth, uh, and uh, we'll continue with our one-to-one interviews over the course of uh, the coming days. Indeed, we'll have some roundtable debates uh, on the program with candidates uh, on the issues uh, in your locality before you go to vote next month. Now, before we go today, our thanks to. Marie Kearns for producing, Maggie McGuire for researching and Chris Murray in the control term and God willing we'll see you for our next programme tomorrow morning at 9am right here on LMFM. Good morning, bye-bye. The Michael Reed Show Podcast. Tune in weekdays from 9 on LMFM. To contact us, email now. Michael at lmfm.ie Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. 
Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM.